Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle. Jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies. Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host, Brett Ramsey, where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Brett. How are you? Well, I am well today. Good, good. Now, we have a friend that's joining us today. Yes, a a friend and an attorney, uh, Corbin King, will be joining us today. And uh, we're going to be talking about a topic that, although is very important in retirement, is an uncomfortable one sometimes for people to talk about, which is is what happens um, in a state settlement, what happens when when we leave this world. And this topic really became important to me um, several years ago uh, when my father-in-law passed away. This is the first time um, I really had to go through this process. My wife was named as the, and we're going to talk about some of these terms today and try to demystify them. And that's, you know, where Corbin's going to help us understand this language. But my wife was named as the executrice of my father-in-law's estate when he passed. And um, although she's a very bright, capable woman, she's a CPA, she's got an MBA. This is the first time she'd ever done something like this. And it, it, it made her nervous, made her scared. She didn't really understand all the steps. And, um, you know, she asked me to go with her and, you know, sitting in the courtroom and going through all the things. And and I just watched how difficult that was and how people are kind of, you know, right at a moment in time when things are tough for them, emotional, where they're dealing with the loss of a loved one in many cases. And, and they're thrust into this, this role that they really didn't even know they had in some cases, they didn't even know they were maybe even named in some of these legal documents and things and put in these positions. And, and that's what I'm trying to help my clients understand, Wendy, you know, and that's why I want to Corbin here is that like, you know, we, we go through these things, but we don't think through them until we have to live through them ourselves. Right. And just seeing the impact that that had on my wife just always left a mark on me of how important this is. Before we get to Corbin, can I ask you a quick question? And you probably don't know the answer. Why is this all so secretive? Why do we not just come out and tell the people that who are going to be in charge that they're in charge and what to expect? Um, well, do you, do you, did you know any of my parents, <laughs> right? No. I don't know about your parents. I don't know about your grandparents, but they came from a period of time where, where we don't talk about stuff like right? money in particular or all stuff, well, really all stuff. I mean, like right. if you went past the weather and who was playing in the football game, you probably got into a deeper conversation than I had with just about any family member I know. Right. Um, because they were very guarded about things. And, you know, I remember once when I was a little child, uh, um, my dad had gotten a new job. We'd moved to a new town and we'd been invited to a dinner party and somebody said something. And I made a comment that related to money and my dad hit me so hard. It knocked the wind out of me. I couldn't breathe. Right. And he grabbed me by the back. We don't talk about that, son. That's not something you talk about. Right. And so like, that's another one of those that left a mark on me quite 
figuratively and literally in that time. And so a lot of people have a very difficult time talking about this. And so um, I have a very difficult time talking about it. This is not one of my favorite things to chit chat with my clients, but I've seen the impact. I know how important it is to get this right. And I can't dodge it right? I'm ultimately responsible for the net worth of my clients and making sure their money lasts longer than they do. I'm going to be around and our firm's going to be around and we're going to be a part of helping these people transfer wealth to the people and the organizations and the things they care the most about. And if we can't have this conversation and talk about where do you want it to go and how's it going to work, we're not doing our jobs well right? Because this is, this is the point where we have to get this right. And I've watched it go wrong and I've seen all of the negatives of that. And that's why we're doing this series and why we're having these things. And there's a lot of resources we're bringing to our clients to help them deal with this because I can't dodge it, right? Ultimately I'm responsible for millions and millions of dollars that have to go to the right place at the right time for the right reasons. And so this means we got to talk about this. And so that's really why I wanted Corbin on here is just to share with us a little bit of his experience because he's had a lot more of it than I have. And, you know, why we've, we've had some of our clients work with Corbin and they've, they've raved about his, um, a process, um, about how, um, relational he is and how he keeps things kind of straightforward and makes it so they can understand it. And my experience, to be honest, that when people talk to people in my profession, we use the language that they don't understand. And when I talk with attorneys, it's usually worse. Um, and so that's what I love about Corbin is he's a down to earth fellow that kind of shoots it straight. And, and that's why he's here today. So I'd really like Corbin just to kind of share a little bit about his business and, and, uh, and his background, and then we'll, we'll kind of get into some more of the details around this. Corbin, take it away. Well, thanks, Brett. I appreciate uh, the nice review you gave me there. I, I did not know that they had raved about me so, but that's nice to hear. Uh, yeah, I grew up, I'm a, I'm a Hoosier. I grew up in Anderson, Indiana. Anderson, Indian. Uh, went to IU. Uh, actually, I was going to be a doctor like my dad, so I graduated with a chemistry degree. So that's always a good trivia that a lawyer actually has a chemistry degree. But I decided my senior year that being a physician wasn't for me. So I uh, went to law school uh, out in California for a year and then back to IU for two. Uh, so then in the end, being from Anderson, um, I just wanted to stay in central Indiana. And I got uh, fortunate enough to have an opportunity in Kokomo. And that's where I am. And three of the four partners were in their late 60s, early 70s. And I'm a 25-year-old guy. And they they uh, treated me just like I was a partner and they gave me cases and said, we'll help you, but they're your cases. And that, you know, that helped facilitate um, my ability in this area of the law, because most of the time in the, the old days is when you got gray hair, you got to do estate planning and estate work. But by the time I was 30, I'd had five years of experience in this, uh, which always surprised people when they sat down with me. So I have been up here for 34 years, and uh, I represent the city council of Kokomo, the town of Rucheville, and I do a lot of elder law, Medicaid planning, besides estate planning and uh, administration. So that's my background. Well, in 34 years of that, I'm sure you've seen a lot of, of, of highs and lows and things that went well and things that didn't. And uh, I'm, I'm probably going to throw this out, but I think one of the, the dirty words that scares everybody when we start talking about this is probate, 
right? Most people really don't understand what it really is and how it fits into this process. And I may be a little bit out of order, but I always like to lead with the, the things that most people are the most nervous about. So I talked about taxes and probate quite a bit lately um, because of the time of year that it is. So maybe you can just kind of walk us through what probate looks like here in Indiana and, and what it even means and kind of demystify that a little bit for people. Sure. I must get that question eight, 10 times a week all these years uh, they hear about probate and one of the things that of course most people are uh, scared of is the cost they think court costs are uh, a lot uh, publication fee and of course uh, that the attorney's fees are going to be be high um, and in Indiana at least in Kokomo I will use that as my example court costs are $182.75 publication for creditors in the newspaper, here's $45. So then, of course, that's not onerous. I just charge by the hour. So, you know, if the estate runs smoothly, then the fee will reflect. But if it is tough, whether it's a creditor or, you know, beneficiaries are scrapping and clawing, and then the bill's going to be bigger. But in probate, Indiana's done real well. They've had a, a very good probate code. Uh, if you don't have an estate, completed in a year, the court will say, hey, Mr. King, come to court. Why isn't this finished? So there is a timeline that you have to meet. Uh, and in unsupervised administration here in Indiana, which means the court doesn't isn't involved in every single aspect of the case, like selling real estate, selling your car, liquidating uh, an IRA, the executor, executrix, as you said, has the authority to do these things without going to get a court order each time. So of course, that also keeps the cost of fees down because we're not doing extra paperwork. Uh, and with that, again, yeah, the whole key to Indiana is they want the process to be efficient, uh, cost effective, and timely because we all have plenty of cases in the court would like to get their docket clear uh, because new cases will come along. And what probate is, is that your will is just a piece of paper until you actually die and present it to the court. So once you present the will to the court and the court says, yes, um, Mrs. Smith has died, this is a, her will, and we uh, admit this into probate, at that time, then as your wife, she got appointed the executrix, so she would have the authority to uh, administer this state, pay creditors, collect assets, make distribution, pay the final income tax return, things of that nature. Well, and I think that it was awesome right there in terms of the summary of all the details and things that have to go into this, right? Um, and so, you know, I think that it's scary. So do you kind of like use a checklist or how, how do you help, you know, guide people through this process a little bit? Well, hopefully, and it, and it's <clears throat> touching back Wendy's question about why people don't tell folks, they don't even want to tell me sometimes, but I have to tell them that I'm like a doctor. And then if I'm going to help you, I've got to know, you know, what your symptoms are or I, what your assets are. What's your family dynamics? Do you have a, a disabled child? Um, you know, is there uh, someone in your life that has health risks that maybe 
the money wouldn't do them any good because they might be on Medicaid. So the initial step is I have them you know, tell me about their life, which includes their assets and their family. So I'm one of the backups on that if they aren't going to tell. So your, your wife comes to me and she really doesn't know what's going on. And I've helped your parents. I pulled our file and I said, oh, I met with them in 2019. Here's what they told me. You know, go here, go to this insurance company, this bank, you know, go to Brett. And so hopefully I am a guide at the initial point where they feel more comfortable uh, in their knowledge of, of what the assets are. And then from there, yes, I, I tell people that you're going to meet with me about once a month because there's different phases that we have. So in my initial letter, I will, you know, tell them to get the estate checking account and the tax ID number and that they have to do the final income tax return and then a fiduciary return for the estate and an inventory and an accounting. So yes, it is very much we're a team. And I tell them that I said, we're, we all have our function. And if we work together, we can get through this because one of the biggest problems, and I tell them it's 10% legal and 90% human, you're grieving through this process. So we have to deal with that. Some days you're just not wanting to go into your parents' house and sort through their clothes and that's okay. But eventually I've got to prod you along and say, all right, I understand, but we've got to get this done uh, for a reason. So um, one of those things with Wendy is you, when you don't tell somebody something, it's because one of my worst uh, items that I get from other heirs is that the will said this, but mom told me that. And so I tell my clients, I go, really? Give the one in charge enough information. Like my dad told me, he goes, son, all of my stuff is in this uh, credenza in my office. I didn't go look through it. I knew where it was and that was helpful. But sometimes saying too much can cause a little consternation. So I try to balance that out with my clients when I give them that advice at the estate planning meeting. Right. And and when you were dealing with mom and dad, and now you're dealing with the heir that's that's doing the estate, what I heard in there is how important it is to be organized, right? You were talking about the 10% legal and the 90% human and, and getting all that stuff organized. So that's one of the things we're really working on with our clients is, is documenting what you have and, and getting it all listed out because we find that that's a challenge where they're literally finding things that they didn't know existed. Um, I had a conversation yesterday with a man who said, I was a, uh, a successor trustee on a piece of real estate when my mom died that I didn't even know existed. And it's been 10 years and I'm still dealing with the sale and settlement of that real estate. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, how, you know, so you, you shared a little bit of that, but maybe some of the stories of, of, We've, we've laughed as we were doing a profile of our best clients and we say, we work really well with those that were originally disorganized and we help them <laughs> get organized. So maybe some of, uh, some stories along that of, of, of those kind of basic things that people need to be thinking about in order to get their stuff together. Maybe some, uh, kind of tidbits that you've, you've found along the way that'll help in that area. Well, and you've been kind enough to send me clients, but again, you're part of the team. And the accountant's part of the team. So when I they do come in for that, I say, all right, let's make sure Brett's on board and that I've 
you know, that what you've told Brett, you're telling me, and that, as you said before, that you and I line it up accordingly to reach their goals. And then, and then sometimes the accountant has some other uh, tidbits that may help us. So I do encourage people to, like you said, help us help them. And you don't necessarily have to tell the children all that you have, but you said, here's Brett's number and address. Here's Corbin's number and address. If anything happens, call them. Uh, so if you can convey to them, because my favorite line each time is, well, I want to make it easy on my kids. And I go, all right, if you want to make it easy on your kids, then this is what we have to do. Somebody's got to know everything about you. Maybe you don't want it to be them, but it's got to be Brett. It's got to be Wendy. It's got to be me. So, you know, help us. And then they get a smile on their face. It dawns on them that, yeah, I'm no longer here. I can't help. And I, it's really like you said, Brett, nobody wants to talk about this. But then when you actually, you know, hit that sweet spot, it's like, ah, I get it. I do. The only way that I'm helpful is that I am prepared. I am organized. And, and again, that is the human aspect of it, that you have to really look at it like, no, I'm an attorney. My job is to help you. You're not a fee to me. Um, I'm here to, to help the Ramsey family. And nobody's like the Ramsey family. So let, let's do it. And, and when you talk to them in that manner, it makes them feel comfortable because you're right. They're nervous talking to an attorney. They're nervous talking about dying. So that's one of our jobs is to make that leap uh, so we can help them through this process. And invariably, almost all of them say, you know what, Corbin, that wasn't that bad. And, you know, once we've dealt with it, I worried about it so much. So, well, and that's good. And that's why, uh, that's why it's a easy call for me to make when my clients ask, because <laughs> I know that, that you have the right, uh, for lack of a better term, bedside manner to, to help them through some difficult things. And, and one of the difficult things that I think our clients sometimes struggle with is they hear these different things. And, and you mentioned some of the special circumstances you earlier, you mentioned, you know, wills. And, um, one of the questions that I get is trust, you know, do I need a trust? And, um, you know, and then how does that play into to probate? Can you maybe, uh, do you kind of, when you first meet with someone that's thinking through this kind of, how do you help them figure out exactly? And, you know, and I didn't even mention like powers of attorney around healthcare and, and taking care of their financial assets, but kind of maybe what those basic things are that they're going to need, like the legal documents and how you help them determine which ones are appropriate for them. Can you share that with us a little bit? Sure. The internet has actually made the question of, I think I want to trust. So usually I don't have to go through that. They ask the question like you do. So I said, yeah, part of my job is to explain, you know, what each of a will is and what a trust is and, and how they could work for you. And then I will just give my best advice on what I believe uh, you should use as far as your estate planning documents. So as I said earlier, the, the will is just a piece of paper until you die and the court recognizes it. A trust is a living, breathing document now. We would do, uh, the trust would talk about within, within the terms, uh, what would happen while you're alive, uh, that you're the trustee, that you can run it. If you become incapacitated, then my trustee would then manage my assets, uh, make sure my bills are paid, 
uh, invest, uh, talk to Brett, you know, talk to my accountant. And then once you die within that document, you would have the same dispositive provisions that you have in a will. Um, so with that, if you're going to do the trust correctly, you need to fund it because it is a living, breathing document. So you need to put your house in it. You need to put your cars in it, the bank accounts, uh, certain uh, investment accounts. I do not like putting IRAs in a trust. I like that to go directly to a beneficiary. But we don't do a trust just to do a trust because that's what you heard from your neighbor. It has to work for you. And it is, in my opinion, uh, it is one of the options that you have, but I see it used mainly where someone is 90 years old, never been married, no kids, all of their siblings are gone, and they need someone to help them if they need long-term care. Well, who's going to pay the bill? That's where you may use a bank trust company or a financial uh, trust company to help them out. Uh, it works that way with a, with a husband and wife or one of the, the spouses is the dominant person uh, with the finances and the other spouse would be very uh, nervous and upset. So you might set up a trust just in case the dominant spouse's financial uh, acumen dies first. And again, they don't have anybody, no kids, no, uh, no family or no trusted advisor. So a lot of times once I talk to them about it, that going through probate isn't bad, that I get paid the same amount of money on a trust as I do a will, uh, that the privacy matters uh, are taken care of because unsupervised administration is private, uh, as well as the tax consequences can be dealt with with proper language in a will or a trust. They mainly go, well, Corbin, why am I paying you more for a trust? Because it does cost more for me to do a trust because I got to make sure the titling's right. I'm doing deeds. I have extra meetings with you. But at the end of the day, I always tell them it's your life. It's your estate plan. I will do what you want. I'm just here to give you my best advice. And if you don't take it, it does not hurt my feelings one iota. Well, that's good. And, and one of the things that um, we've seen is, is where that hasn't been clearly documented and therefore that, that trustee or that heir really is going on what mom and dad said. And then a couple of the other siblings don't know. And that's where we get the conflicts, right? I'm sure you've seen those situations. Um, maybe kind of like one kind of, kind of what I call don't do this kind of like if you had one piece of advice that you would give everybody on, that you're like, hey, this is the don't do or this is the must do. What, what would kind of be your key takeaway to help people get started on this? Well, I see it a lot in farmers because the land, you know, some of these farms have been in their family for 100, 150 years. So it really means a lot to them. But as the generations, you know, you go down generations, I tell people, please don't force your children to have to uh, deal with one another if that could be a detriment to the family relationship. That is the most important thing because you can get through the administration a lot of times. It's then what's the aftermath. And the example is you have four kids and there's a family farm and one of the children lives out in Silicon Valley, not a farmer, 
Another one lives in Texas, works for Texas Instrument. Uh, third one's over in New York, uh, and they're a doctor. And then you have the person here that maybe just works at GM. Um, and so when you have this piece of ground that may, you know, with the cost of acreage now that can be uh, quite a nice number, all of a sudden you have four people that have no interest in farming. But if they all get it equally and nobody has enough money to buy the others out, a lot of times it can be like, dang, I see this nice number here, but I'm getting $4,000 a year in cash rent and I could get a lot more than that. And it really is important to me to make sure that you are transparent and tell me your family dynamics. If somebody can work together, I'm all for it. But if they really can't, please tell me and we'll find another way, you know, so that that is what I found to be the the, the toughest thing. And again, it's not during the administration, but the aftermath. Right. Well, and I think that's been our experience, too. And that, that's why we, we call this handcrafting your retirement is yeah. that it, it has to be tailored to your situation. It's not about how much you know money you have. It's not about, you know. Um, what your neighbor's doing or what somebody else did. It's trying to figure out what's right for you to live the life that you want to live, the, to do the things that you want to do. And then when you're not with us anymore, that your wishes are carried out correctly. Um, and, you know, I just love that, that, that honesty of that story, right? Is that maybe what a generation ago was valuable to that generation, it's shifted right? It's not a right or wrong judgment, but I'm seeing that around some of the, especially like you mentioned around real estate, whether it's farmland, um, where there oftentimes maybe there's one of the, the three or four siblings that may be in that, you know, truly in that field, not to be uh, punny, but that they're <laughs> out there and they want to continue to farm, but then they don't have the resources to buy out the other siblings. And it kind of um, I hate using the word, but it kind of traps the real estate and traps those siblings into a business venture that they don't want with one another. Exactly right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's really why um, we're talking about this. One of the phrases that we're, we're working on is to help our clients get organized is the idea of a love letter to your family, like where you can really document the things that are important to you and why, and you kind of think about them right? Yeah. I want my wishes to be taken care of here, but at the same time, think about the impact that you're having. And those are the stories I've been trying to share is that, um, if you haven't had to administer the estate of a loved one, if you haven't gone through this, I don't know that you realize the the burden and the stress sometimes that you're putting on people. Right. Um, and it's not easy to try to balance the needs, um, of, of everyone. Uh, and sometimes the, uh, you know, we're working on, is this even the right resource? Is it a family member that should be doing some of these things? Right. Or do you, you'd mentioned that earlier. Do we need an external trustee, right. Uh, to run something, especially like if there's special, special needs or some kind of a business entity. So these are all the things that you've got to come out in this process. And we don't have these uncom uncomfortable conversations. You're just not going to get a good result, right. You're going to get a result that maybe, uh, doesn't take you very much money to, write or create the documents, but then quite frankly, it does, they don't do the things that you really want them to do, right? If you don't put the time into building that relationship of understanding what you want to have happen with your advisors, 
you know, like Corbin said, it's a team, right? You can have insurance people, you can have accountants, you can have financial advisors, you can have the attorney, you have a lot of different people that are going to help you, right? Do this right. Um, you got to bring them in, you got to tell them what you're thinking so that we can get the right solution for you. So really thankful that you came and kind of dispelled some of the myths and let people know that probate isn't evil. It's just a court process that you go through when you pass away. And that if you've got good documentation and good support, you're going to be able to walk through it. Are there any other key takeaways you think our, our clients and listeners need to know? Well, a couple of things you said. One, my old partner said being an executor is a chore, not a privilege. So that is exactly right. And if someone gets upset that they're not the executor, then I know that I got to watch them a little bit because that's that's a power play. That's not anything to do with trying to uh, get through this process. And sometimes, you know, I've found that that people really aren't greedy. They're just mad about something that they had when they were 10. You know, their brother threw a stapler at him, hit him in the head, but they retaliated and it was only the retaliation that their parents saw. And so they harbor this in their hearts until their parents pass away. And then they, you know, can make it difficult at first because they're going through that grieving process. And it is, uh, you use the term bedside manner. You really have to help your executor. Like, don't take this personally. You know, don't, I know how difficult, how much it stings, you know, let's get through the process. So it is uh, something they certainly didn't teach in law school, Brett. They uh, gave you the theory, but, but the uh, dealing with uh, human emotion, you really got to listen and, and be attuned to, to what people do. And then in the end, um, that's how you're going to help your parents, you know, legacy. Uh, because someone's got to go, mom and dad, they aren't going to like this and, you know, let's get through it. And they put me in charge and I'm going to do the best I can. And, you know, we'll get through this together. Thank you, Corbin, so much for joining us today. How can someone get in touch with you if they'd like some more information? Um, I'm up in Kokomo. My uh, phone number is 765-459-9777. Or my assistant Jody, J O D Y, at CorbinKingLaw.com. Uh, I do have a website, uh, but I, uh, Jody kind of deals with that. I'm still technically challenged in many ways. So this <laughs> podcast was fun. I, with the microphone and the headphones, I, I liked it. You feel really important now, don't you? A little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what we are aiming for, Corbin. We're glad that we could, you know, comply with you. Yes. Thank you, Wendy. I appreciate it. And Brett, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, we'd love people to come and, and uh, visit our website at artisanwealthstrategies.com. I know there's a lot to spell there, but you'll you'll find it. You'll figure it out. And then from there, you can connect with us uh, and, and give us an email. You can uh, follow our podcast. You can find me in LinkedIn. Apparently there's a lot of people doing that. And also on Facebook, um, just look up artisan wealth strategies and you'll find us. But, um, uh, you know, and this is a topic where right now we were doing some events around this and we'd love to, if this is something that you're concerned about. We need to talk, right? So connect with us, let's get connected and let's move you forward so that you have a cohesive plan that, that can really be done, uh, to do exactly what Corbin said is let's bring, let's bring some harmony to the family and let's end the race. Well, well, thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. 
Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.